Monday's gonna suck, Jeffrey. Uh, Mondays are okay. And Mondays suck, first of all, in general. I mean, like, they're not as bad as as Tuesdays. Fight me. Um, I will, This is a hill I die on. Tuesdays suck more than Mondays. Um, well, because, like, sometimes you get Mondays off, right, if it's a holiday, but it's never a Tuesday. And Monday, uh, you get to you get to bitch and complain with your coworkers about how bad Mondays are. No one complains. Ugh, it's Tuesday. I mean, I guess, I guess, right? Like, but why this particular Monday is it gonna suck? This because every year trade deadline is supposed to be the super exciting. I remember back when I was in school, you'd whip out your phone and be like, "Oh man, this guy got traded." You know what's gonna happen on Monday? TSN is gonna have so many terrible on the spot gags or sports on whatever channel we want to use. It's gonna be just all these gags of them doing absolutely nothing because they're just trying to kill time between trades. I I don't think it's a hot take, but I think the amount of trades that will happen on Monday and the quality of trades on Monday will be near its all time low. So, what's your over-under on trades, then? Um, I don't know, to be honest. I think, but it's it's clear that trade deadline activity on deadline day has been trending down, hasn't it? It has. I mean, like, it makes sense now, like, teams are doing their deals, you know, a little earlier than the actual trade deadline. Like, just because it's a deadline doesn't mean you have to get everything done on that one day, right? So yeah, that's why I think you're seeing more of these deals happening beforehand. But also, it's just, you know, it's it's also Monday, which is kind of like a weird day to have the trade deal. I don't know. I, I would prefer it to be more in the middle of the week. It just seems I mean, weird wouldn't it be, be weirder if it was like a Thursday afternoon, though? I mean, isn't that how the NBA does it? Yeah, isn't it kind of weird? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think, I guess there is no good time to have a trade deadline. But it's also like, for, for me, right? Because you have all the weekend games on, right? Like, it's hard to make any moves before... Like, I, I feel like you want, like, after the weekend where, like, most of the games happen, you ha- can kind of, like, regroup, see where you are, and then make some deals. I mean, oh, but think about it. You know, the lawyers, <laughs> what is it, the real estate agents don't work weekends. They work on weekdays. I know. So, like, you know, instead of having it on Monday, how about we have it on Tuesdays, on the worst day of the week, according to Olsen? And ruin Tuesdays more now because of having terrible, terrible trade deadlines. What kind of monster are you, Jeffrey? Yeah, you know, it, it, it might make sense. I don't know. Like, it's it's whatever the NHL wants. They've decided it on Mondays, and you know what? It's going to be this cup coming Monday. So Monday fun day. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's going to be a busy, and, well, not busy, because it's just going to be a long Monday, I think, right? Nothing's going to happen. Everything's being done beforehand, right? Like, in this past week, how many trades have we had? Oh, like say maybe double digits. If you probably, some, right? If you include some of the smaller deals, like the AHL deals, maybe more than a dozen. Yeah, like I think, like on the like we had four trades one day, four trades the next day, two, two, and now here on Saturday, it's like I've just been waiting for the next trade to come in. Saturday morning. I'm, 
yeah, I'm expecting a trade to happen before the one o'clock the one o'clock games, right? Today, but you know, still waiting. Haven't heard anything. I think the GMs are still waking up, but I'm expecting a couple of trades because you know all the GMs are trying to get everything done before um, Monday. I mean, the Mesnikov's gone, right? Uh, yeah, like there's definitely names that are like like for sure going to be traded, but it's just we're waiting like. There's just waiting, like teams are waiting to like for the, the price that they actually want. Buyers are looking to wait until the sellers bring their prices down. It's just a waiting game now. But like you know, once one team matches the price or whatever, and they can both agree, then you know a trade goes through. So I think we're just gonna wait until um, a trade happens. All right, but when we say we're waiting, we're not waiting for this episode. And we're going to talk about some of the trades that happened this week. Before we do that, let's start the show proper, shall we? You're listening to the Bag of Pucks podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. And we're back. All right, Jeffrey, is there one trade that you want to talk about? Because you know there's a few trades that I'm absolutely dying to talk to you about. Yeah, well, I mean, last year we did, like in our very first episode, we talked, like we did like a a review of the trade deadline. And holy crap, there were a lot of deals to talk about. So, you know, I think we need to give ourselves like a time limit. So, because, you know... I think one of your favorite, some of your teams out there uh, made a couple of trades, and we don't want you going off on a tangent. So let's uh, set a time. Uh, I'm gonna go on a tangent regardless. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I know, but you know what? Because like our first episode was like almost like two hour, hour and a half long, and I don't think we we gotta give ourselves like a limit. So how about this? We'll do like five minutes per trade. We'll go chronological. And that way we won't run over time and we don't have to listen to you talk about the Kings and Jets all the time. All right, so we're going to start off with there are a couple of trades that we're just not going to talk about. Yeah, like I think we'll talk about deals for, I don't want to call them NHL players, but players on NHL rosters. Is that? I'd say term? more prominent deals. We're a bit more soon than that. Like, yeah, don't so get like, me wrong, Dennis Malgin, Malgin, Malgin? I don't even say his name. Is an NHL player. He's just not a very prominent one. So we're well. I just say Mason Marchment isn't an NHL player, so that's why I didn't include him. Then it's Morgan. This isn't going to take five minutes. I'm just going to talk. But I love Mason Marchment and how he plays. But uh, is he an NHL player? I you can love so. how he plays. I think he's a fourth liner. Uh, I don't know. I, I I think it's a weird trade to be honest, because. For me, I was I would think right like, even though Mason Marchment isn't good enough for the Leafs, he's valuable to the Marlies. So like, why didn't they just send him down when they could? Like, why did they have to bring in Dennis Mulligan? Well, oh, I think know? they just wanted like a, they just wanted some more depth, you know. Another little guy. Did did we talk about this last okay. time? Yes, little guy. But like, if you look at the roster, then it's not too small. I mean, you have. I'm not too concerned about the Leafs' size when you have guys like Cal Clifford, I'll be honest with you. Not just because I'm a Kings guy, but, like, you are seeing an uptick in, like, the, I wouldn't say violence, but the physicality in the game. And I think Cal well, Clifford's the type of guy you bring, 
protecting that. I don't think you need a goon, per se, but I think Kyle Clifford is tough, but has more skill than a, than a goon. Well, the thing is, to me, I don't... I actually don't think Clifford should be the first name on the team sheet every time. It looks like he is, basically. Every time the Leafs play, he seems to be penciled in fourth-line left-wing, or at one point, third-line left-wing, and I was like, would you not want to... I know he, you know, gives your team a little bit more of that grit, but, you know, I don't think he has to be playing every game. Like, to me, he's kind of like a Jason Spezza. Like, yes, he's a good veteran presence. He's a good player to have on your team, but not necessarily has to play every single game. Okay, put it this way, though. That's... Put it this way. I think if there's one spot in the lineup where the coach kind of gets a bit more leeway to put whoever he wants, it's fourth-line wing. Yes. Like, yeah, okay, but, like, at the same time, I think I've seen Cliff like I've seen Clifford play a little bit. Maybe he just stands out in the sense that he's like in a new addition, but he seems to be trying harder than he needs to be, and in the end, he is just giving up like pucks that you know he's just ruining plays a couple of times. And I, I watch him, and like sometimes he's on the ice for too long, doesn't get off the ice. Like I, I think maybe we need to sit him a game or two, you know, like rotate in the young ones. Like who? Mason Marshman? Oh, wait, he's gone. I know, but, like, I wouldn't mind, like, you don't have, like, if you're facing a team that's, you know, not, not like, a gritty type, like, not where you need, like, Clifford to, you know, be there to, like, protect the young ones, like, put it on Timoshev. Like, you know, bring out back, Igor, call back up Igor Korshkov or something like that, right? I don't think Clifford needs to be on the, like, has to be on the team every single day. Is Timoshev... Uh, NHL player? I don't think he is, but I think, like, as you said, right, like, you can rotate guys in. Timoshav is probably going to be a guy you're going to try and move because he doesn't look like he has a place on this team. So, like, I look at that and, like, why not, you know, try to build a little value with him? Maybe he plays a little bit better. Maybe a team takes a chance on him. You never know. Like, I, I would at least give it a shot. Like, I don't think you need to keep playing Clifford every single game. But I think that's just in my own personal preference, I think. Mm-hmm. But, uh, all right, all right. Let, so let's, let's start with the, actual, the other trades, yeah. Okay, let me get my timer out so we can actually, you know, not go overtime. But, uh, yeah, we'll do five minutes. And uh, we'll start with the first trade. So chronological, we're going to go first with the Zucker trade. So for people who didn't see the trade, it was uh, – Pits, uh, Pittsburgh got Jason Zucker and Minnesota got Galchenyuk, Addison, and a 2020 conditional first. Is this Zucker or Zucker? I don't know. I uh, let's say Zucker. I think it's Zucker, right? I'm asking yuck. you. Right, like puck yuck. I won't go there. So Zucker, right? Okay. I don't know. I won't go. I think it rhymes with like yuck and puck. So let's call it Zucker. I know it's an explicit podcast, but we'll, we won't go there. But Austin, your your take on this trade? Honestly, my my take is that I'm surprised that they made the trade this early. I think it's it's an it's an open secret that Miko Koivu is probably taking this last year before he's retiring. And I thought that, you know what, 
Minnesota with thing. Screw it. Let's just go for it one last time. And, you know, sneak into the playoffs as the eighth seed. Get yeah. taken out in the first round. And, yeah, but, like, I, I was expecting, they you know, they'd hold keep it together for one last year. I mean, with a trade for Zucker, 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 whatever, um, and a top prospect, Kellen Addison, and a first-round pick. This is kind of like them saying, hey, you know what, we're not going to make it. Let's just start tearing it down. So, I mean, we've heard rumors that Dumba and Brodine are are out there, right? They're possibly going to be traded. I guess the next question would be, is Devin Dubnik getting traded, right? Because if they're willing to tear it all down, you, there is no use for a mid-30s goalie. I know, but like at the same time we talked about last week, is there a use for a goalie with a goal against average above three and a, a save percentage below 900? Like, I don't think there's anyone really willing to trade for that right now. So Excuse you. Um, do not... Do not say things about that. Like, do not reference my baby Jonathan Quick like that. Okay, he although he is a mid thirties goalie, he is very valuable. Yeah, but like, I just don't think that there's like you're not gonna get like the price. Like, you're not gonna get um value back. Like coming back. Like, I would think you would want to rebuild his value and see if he can play better next year. But how are you and rebuilding then, his value when you take out when you remove you know defensemen like Brodeen or Dumba, for example, right? I don't know, but like you can still like as a goalie, you can still have like decent stats. Like maybe it not might not show in your wins, but like you your expected goals against would probably be a little bit better if you play better. So. I don't know, but you don't have your you know you don't your defensemen are gone, right? Yeah, but like you, you like like as a goalie can like Devin Dubnik can still play well enough, I think, to like improve his value compared to this year. And if Minnesota wanted to trade Dubnik. They probably could get a little bit more value than say trading him this year. So, I think it, it seems like a big price though, especially trading for Zucker. I know he has term coming back, but like your number one prospect, a first, I, which is it's probably going to be a late first, knowing Pittsburgh. But yeah, you're taking a chance on a guy who's signed to term, who like I like it's hard to like find those line mates for Crosby. Like he makes everyone better. But no one ever seems to stick except for Chris Kuditz, right? So yeah, it, it seems like it seems like a risk. It's working out right now, but like if you look at that top six, like so, if everyone's healthy, it's Crosby, Malkin down the center. You have yeah. Gensel and Zucker on the left, and Hornquist and Rust on the right. Like that's a, and you have them all signed for at least the next two seasons. So that's a that's a pretty good top six right there. It is. So I mean, like. Maybe they're trying to do the, they're trying to do the New York Rangers route where you just quickly rebuild. But unless you get a guy like Artemi Panarin in a free agency, it's kind of hard to do that, right? Are you talking about Minnesota now, or yeah, Minnesota? I'm saying like I can see them trying to do what. Sorry, I know you're talking about pens, but I just one last thought pop ahead. Unless they're trying to do what they're trying to do in New York, I don't know if that's possible. But if you look at the Rangers. I don't know. I just something about them just doesn't make you feel like they're going to be a contender. I can't. No, I, I think, can't put my finger on it, but there's something. Like yeah, I think Minnesota is a ways away. Like I think, like frankly, we still don't really know where they're going. Like it looks like they're rebuilding, but like until you see Dumba or Brodine move or like see a couple more trades from Minnesota, like honestly, we still don't really know where they're going. Like they like next year they got all these RFAs. 
and UFAs to deal with. They also have the expansion draft, and it's like, well, what are you guys? What are what are you gonna do in the next couple of years? I think, like, they're still a couple of years away from anyone figuring out who they actually are. I think just the reputation that they have, where they're just eighth place for life, basically. Yeah, but I think we can both agree it's a it's a fairly good trade for both teams. I think it's a fair trade. Yeah. I mean, yeah. okay. I think we're. Are we? How close are we at our five minute mark? Uh, we've just finished a five minute. All right, mark. then we'll just we'll, we'll end it there then. Well, no, no, we'll we'll let you finish your thought. It's I like mean, part I of think, the. I think they, when we look at most of the trades. I don't see too many outrageous trades. That's just in general. I think they've been pretty good trades this season. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Next trade. New Jersey trades Andy Green, captain and career devil Andy Green, to the Islanders. For David Quenville and a 2021st second. Five minutes starts now. I really hope that Andy Green asked for a trade. If he didn't ask for a trade and he got traded, that's really... It's not going to be good. It's not good for when they're trying to recruit other players to New Jersey. You know, He is the captain. He's been a career devil. I know he's getting older. And I don't know. I just... <laughs> You, I think he'd he would be sent to if he was traded to a team like Pittsburgh, where you know, or uh, St. Louis, where they're going to be contenders, and you know, give him a chance to win his cup, right? That's, I guess, that's the point of what they're trying to do. But at the end of the day, I hope that's what it is. And yeah, I think it's just, it's just for a second in a warm body, right? And I know it's terrible calling someone a warm body in their career when their career role is a warm body, but it's just a warm body. Right? Well, Green has a no trade clause, so he he agreed to go to the Islanders. So uh, I think it's at least the Devils are kind of doing him a solid, like you know, letting him go try like go. I don't know if the Islanders are the best team to go for the cup, but um, at least he's like staying at least like fairly close to home. He's not moving that far away. Um, to me, I like he was the last devil I thought would get traded. I would think like you've got all these other you know UFAs, RFAs, trade assets on New Jersey, but you're not going to trade your captain, are you? Who has a full no trade clause? And lo and behold, they trade him. So that kind of surprised me there. But um, I mean, I think New York is in an interesting situation because it's so tight right now in the the metro right now so i don't know if green does much for this team like he's a solid defensive defenseman but i just hope he comes back to the devils you know signs that one day contract and retires as the devil i mean i think that's the plan i don't think anyone is saying anything i think everyone thinks that's the plan though yeah and i think the one caveat i have for the islanders is like did they waste Noah Dobson's first year? Have they ruined him? Because, like when we first saw him on the on the Islanders roster at start, at the beginning of the season, I was like, oh, you know, nine games and he's gone. Right now, he's kind of like going between the like the bottom pair and the press box. Like if we we don't forget, like this is his second year of pro hockey right now, and he hasn't played in, like last year. He played back in the queue. This year, he's just been with the NHL team between the press box and the bond pair. But he seems like the guy that, you know, would benefit from being in the AHL, like grow into his six foot four frame a little bit. 
But right now, with the addition of Green, like it seems like he's just going to be stuck in the press box for the next, you know, until the end of the season, until there's another injury. I don't want to say yes, he's ruined per se because it's still early in his career, but it's not a good, it's not a good perception. Right? Like, he's like he's been mismanaged so far. Maybe that's the way they wanted him to, to try, but it's, I feel like they could have, you know, done something a little bit better than you know. They probably could have sent him down. I didn't think they needed to have him up on the roster. <sighs> Yeah, I think they deviate. They they have deviated from the plan, and it's not really what you want to do with a first round draft pick. You don't want to be deviating from your plans on your first round draft picks, right? Mm-hmm. So, it, it, it's a little iffy to me. I find like that he's still here, but um, you know, maybe he, maybe that's like the plan for him. Lou and his staff are deciding that's the best course for Noah Dobson and uh. See how that goes. But, but here's the I, thing, I, though. It just it seems like you hear pretty often that like Islanders aren't. How do I put it? Like players aren't too happy on the Islanders. Uh, I think that's changing. I think that might have been like more related to like Garth this Garth Snow era and the mismanagement there. So I don't think it's necessarily now, but. It's possible there's still like the residual effect of you know being on the island, right? Maybe yeah, maybe you're right. All right, that's our uh, next five minutes up. So we're gonna try to speed through these deals. Uh, next one is uh the Blake Coleman deal. So Tampa Bay acquired Blake Coleman from the New Jersey Devils for Nolan Foot and a 2020 conditional first. Wow, seems like we did have a few minutes left. A few seconds left. <laughs> um, so, honestly, I think... Feel bad for the, the Foot family, you know. All in one week, Cole and Nolan are split from the organization. And poor Nolan... Poor Adam Foot has got his job lost at the Kelowna Rockets, which aren't doing so well. Um, especially as a host of the Memorial Cup. And you know who the captain is of the Kelowna Rockets, Jeffrey? Nolan Foot. Nolan Foot. It's just just a rough week overall for for Nolan. I feel like, um, man. I guess like I don't know. It's, it's just I like that trade, but it's also is Tampa Bay the new Chicago? Where you're going with does does the GM know something about other GMs? Like, does he have some blackmail? Like, how are he? How is he getting all these amazing deals? You know. Yes, I know Nolan Foot is a well-regarded prospect. Yes, I know it's a first-round pick, but from what Vancouver's doing, we were expecting it to be a twenty in the twenties, right? Especially with other trades that they've made, which we'll talk about in a bit. They're trying to go for it, so it's going to be a twenties pick. But you got a guy with term on a very reasonable deal, like I don't know how else to put it. That's an amazing trade for Tampa Bay, which again makes me think. I don't know. Is is there some sort of blackmail out there? Are they in New Chicago? But I, I like the trade for New Jersey too. You know, you have all these amazing centers. You need a winger to play with them. And now you got your winger. You got a first round pick. And if our team that's rebuilding, you you want first round picks, right? Yeah, it is. And 
it, it to me it seems like a fairly steep well for a guy on such a great contract i mean getting basically you know two 20-ish first rounders for you know 18 months of blake coleman is that's a pretty good deal and blake coleman i think we when we did our episode of you know like players on like amazing contracts blake coleman is up there right like 1.8 million for this year and next like he fits the mold of what i think tampa bay wants to play um you know speed and he has a little bit of grit in him too he's an all situations guy so i think he fits in perfectly with the with the uh lightning and i think it's also good on you know new jersey to capitalize on their assets and you're right like they need to find players to play with hughes and he share right like Travis Sajak is not going to be on the next contending window. Like Kyle Palmieri, probably not either. So they need to find a guy. And, you know, Nolan Foote looks like a guy who can play with Hughes and T-shirt. I mean, he showed in um, the World Juniors that, yes, he can play with these skilled centers. Like people like people had him when he was first drafted. You know, he might be too slow. You know, his skating wasn't really up there. But, you know, he showed in the World Junior that, the skating is improving, so you know we could see him one day with Hughes or Heisher on the wing. Yeah, like honestly, I think that's, that's a good deal. I'm I'm happy for both. Yeah, it, it's a fair deal. I just it, it's interesting. I still can't believe that you know that. Well, I mean, like JT Miller is playing really well, but still at that time it looked like a terrible deal for Tampa. Uh, I mean, for Vancouver to trade away their first, and you know. Once again, Tampa Bay is taking advantage of someone giving them a first-round pick for some reason, and now they're turning that into Blake Coleman. So it still seems like a fairly steep price, I would think, for Blake Coleman. But I'm sure there's a lot of like competition between other teams for Blake Coleman's services. So Tampa Bay had to, you know, up the ante a little bit there. Again, I think it's just an all-around good deal, man. I don't know. I haven't seen anyone get really, really ripped off yet. I'll be honest with you. No, and I think. That now that teams are smarter, like we're not not teams aren't as like their owners aren't as controlling as more. Like people have more of a say in the actual hockey ops. Like you're not going to see like deal like ripoffs as much. But you know, there's always a there's an occasional case where you know you have like the sixty percent of the population thinks that's a good trade for one team, and forty percent says it's a bad trade right like there's still going to be that but like we haven't seen any like lopsided lopsided deals which is a good thing i think for overall parity uh yeah but you know it, it makes the news cycle it, it, it bores down the news cycle right like you don't have as much to talk about because you know it's a good deal on both sides there's no like you can't say like who's the winner who's the loser but um yeah it it, it does help the parity and it's it's kind of nice like you can know you can see like these fair hockey deals all right, so next one. Next one, yep. This involves your uh, your LA Kings in their re- rebuild. Is that a taboo word for you? No, I, th- I think rebuild is the proper proper term to use there. All right, so LA Kings, they sent upcoming free agent Tyler Toffoli to Vancouver in exchange for Tim Schaller, Tyler Madden, 2022nd, and a 2022 conditional fourth. So before we start that, Jeffrey, what was the what was the deal that I thought that he was going to get traded for? How about you tell me what your nickname is for Tyler Toffoli? How about we don't? 
because I got the text when I was at work and I did not understand that Tyler Toffoli got traded. But you suggested that it was going to be Schaller, Ewell Levy, a second and a conditional third for instead. You're 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 fairly close. I mean, you know, Tyler Madden instead of Ewell Levy and instead of a conditional third, it was a conditional fourth. So, yeah, good on you. So, part of the reason why I said that we're going to get Ewell Levy instead of um, Tyler Madden was that the Kings love their injured prospects. <laughs> I mean, honestly, look at like Gabe Filardi, um, Rasmus Kapari. Like, all, all their top prospects just tend to be injured. Um, I think a lot of them are freak injuries, too. So I was saying, oh, you know, Levy you know, has, has a few injury troubles last, uh, last couple years. Yeah, that sounds about right. And I think I, I see men higher. Like the value of Madden a little bit higher, so I thought a third would come in instead of a fourth. So I think I was a pretty good there. Um, but with that being said, I I like the trade for the LA Kings. To be honest, you know you get you get a forward that keeps the team somewhat competitive in Tim Shaler. I mean I know Tyler Toffoli is a better player. Than He's a salary Tim dump. Shaler. He's a salary dump. But you, I mean, you still need guys who can make the team interesting right or else you end up like the detroit red wings who are like hey let's just burn down the barn and just tank just drive the tanks right through it and i don't know i see the la kings with a better future than the detroit red wings do to be honest with you uh i i mean if detroit gets alexis lafreniere i don't know about that but but imagine if they go through all of this and don't get him yeah, that's true. That's true. The lottery might screw It's a lottery, up. right? Yeah. I, I think it's interesting, though, that, like, because there was talk, like, Tim Schaller, we know, is there for salary cap reasons because LA Kings didn't want to retain half on Toffoli, which I thought was interesting because, you know, some teams, some, like, of the insiders are saying, oh, LA wasn't going to retain on Toffoli so that they have the option to retain on Martinez and Ben Hutton and Tyler Lewis. And I'm like, First off, Trevor Lewis, but um, well, yeah. no, I think this is the start of the rebuild. If you look at their cap situation, it's actually not as bad anymore. If you look at all the trades they've made, you know how we've all talked about, oh, the LA Kings are screwed for the cap forever. No, I think this is makes it look a lot better, to be honest with you. you got a lot of money. Um, I guess, I mean, look at Vancouver's side. Yeah, you're going for it. Hence, when you look at the Jason Zucker trade, the first doesn't look as bad. But my... And it's not an issue. My question is, can you contend with Beagle, Erickson, Roussel all in your, you know, in your on your team with the amount of money they're making? Um, like I like I don't think the Canucks are contending per se. I think this is just you know a good on you, you know, good job for having a good season. Let's reward you, but also the fact you know Besser is out, Furland's out. Lievo's out. I think they needed a forward replacement, so then they went out for Toffoli. I like for me the like I don't think Vancouver is necessarily contending even though in the week Pacific, but it's just like a deal to, you know, help them stay afloat, I think. And if, you know, Besser does come back, they have a pretty good forward group. They do have some bad contracts, but I don't think that's necessarily the worry. That might be a good thing because, you know, Benning won't make a bad free agent signing, but he also has no draft picks, so I guess Benning's just going to have a quiet offseason in Vancouver. Which I think is concerning for me if I'm, if I'm a 
a Canucks fan because it seems like Benning's able to draft well. He just has trouble when it comes to free agents. Yeah, so I mean, he has no picks. Uh, like he has no first or second round pick this year because he just traded him away. So he and he might not have a lot of cap space. He's really only got Markstrom. I think it's really the big one that to decide on, especially with the the expansion draft to consider as well. Like realistically, he doesn't have too much to do except that. So I think it's gonna be interesting. But like back to the Defoli point, like. I wonder if LA Kings could have leveraged a first from another team if they said they retained salary. Because I feel like there's more value on retaining half on Toffoli than saying retaining half on a Ben Hutton or a Trevor Lewis. Because they've already retained on Kyle Clifford. So they only had two more slots left. And I get that they want the flexibility to, you know, retain on other deals closer to the deadline day. But I feel like if you retained half on Toffoli, you open up his market and you could potentially, you know you know, maybe get a late first from someone instead of getting a probably going to be a mid to late second now from Vancouver. I mean, you, there is a bit more comfort in prospects, right? Like you kind of know where they're developing, what the line is going on here. Um, so I'm okay with it, to be honest, on their perspective. And on, the one thing I would have liked to see a little bit different was that, hey, let's get a, defensive prospect yeah like i agree with you that like i think yo levy would have been the ask because i like i, I know tyler Madden has the skills but i just don't think he has the, the, the body to play in, in the nhl like that's my main concern i think well i think that's a concern for madden fans right like is he ever gonna is he gonna grow in put on some weight and you know make it make the jump into the NHL because to me he seems like a guy that's could potentially end up as a tweener just because you know he can't like he's not physically able to play yeah at the NHL level I don't want to tell you man it's just I think I like the deal for I like deal for the for the what's it called the LA Kings yeah, I, I'm I a little bit of a question of exactly why. I didn't expect the Canucks to be a team that would actually try to pick him up. So I'm a little surprised there. But as a whole, I'm pretty happy as a Kings fan for the, for the return. Yeah. All right. We kind of went over, but I let you because, you know, I know you're a Kings fan. So, you know, I knew you were going to talk about it a lot. So, well, we'll, we'll try to save some time in other spots, but, you know, we still got more deals to go. So before we get to our next deal, I think uh, it's time for a little, uh, you know, message from our friends from Anchor. And we're back. Wow. Go us. Sure. All right, Jeffrey, what's the next deal? All right, next deal has to do... It's, a, it's an all-Canadian deal here. We have Dylan DeMello going to the Jets uh, for a 2023rd. Uh, I think we can save a little bit of time here. My thoughts, a good pickup, fair price, but does it actually do anything for the Jets? I think they do. They need some depth on their D end. I mean, you get some fun, weird quotes from Paul Maurice calling... DeMello's first game, coaches porn. Um, 
Again, I don't know. Paul Reese just seems like a straight up weird dude, but he plays a very strong, simple game, man, and you know he does it well. You know, it's kind of what you need, and especially with their depth. I think for a third round pick, it would have been nice if you probably get him for like a fourth, a seventh instead. I don't know. Something about the third round pick just ugh, grinds my gears a little bit. But honestly, that's a, that's not bad. I, I'm I'm content as if I yeah. was a Jets fan. Yeah, I think so too. I think. Like, it, it seems like a steep price, but when we look at, like, deal, like, if we look at the Green deal, I didn't think Andy Green would come back get, get a second. We've got a couple more deals to talk about where, you know, the teams paid more than a third for a defenseman. So, I think Dylan DeMello, he's a two-way defenseman. It's a fair price. I Like, I know that Jets need depth, but is this the d- deal that's going to put them over the top that's going to help them in their playoff push? Because, you know, they're right on the bubble, so is it going to do enough for them that, you know, they're going to make the playoffs, or... So how many how, so how many GMs are going to come out on Monday afternoon and say, you know what, the price was just too high? I don't think so. I think the prices have just been high this, like, this entire season, so... I mean, as a reason I, for them not to make, um, not to make trades, sorry. Just be like, oh, you know, the oh. price of it was just too high. All of them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think Shovel Dayoff did a good move. I think he was able to assess like the market, paid fair value. I just don't know if Dylan DeMello moves the needle enough. He moves the needles for the Jets, but I don't know if he moves the needle enough in the entire playoff picture. Okay. All right, so we're going to save time here. All right, what's the next one, Jeffrey? All right. Next deal is another defenseman. Um, so San Jose is sending Brendan Dillon to the Capitals for a 2022nd and a 2021 conditional third, with Brendan Dillon retained at 50%. My first thought, how the hell did you put a condition was like, if the Washington wins the Stanley Cup, the third becomes goes from the 2021st third to the 2022nd third owned by Arizona? I mean, what's wrong with that? Like... Uh, well, I mean, like, when you look at, like, these conditional conditional picks, right, normally, like, the upgrade or something, like, it, like in theory, like, I know the 2020 draft is going to be stronger, but realistically, they're probably going to be moving up, what, like, 10 spots in, yeah. a, in a draft? Like, is that really that much? Like, I, I'm surprised they didn't, like, include a condition where, what if, like, br- did Brendan Dillon play, like, half the games, right? Like, that's normally a common condition related to, like, a Stanley Cup or a playoff, like, condition, yeah. right? So, I, I just thought it was a weird, like, Kind of reward. unusual, yeah, I get you mean, yeah. I mean, but besides that, what are your thoughts on, on you know, the trade itself? <laughs> like, it, to me, it seems like a steep price for a bottom pair defenseman. I think he... He's like a four or five. I don't think he's a five six for sure. He's a four or five. Um, again, love the truculence part. <laughs> yeah, and like the big, like a lot of people talk about. Oh, you know, he played with Carlson and Burns, and you know, he's used to play with you know these puck moving defensemen, so he'll fit in perfectly with John Carlson in Washington. But like, I look at you look over at um, uh, San Jose, and it's like. So your number one left side D is Vlasic. Your number two is probably going to be Brendan Dillon. So either way, he has to play with Burns or uh, Carlson. Like, he's not good enough to, you know, play on the... Like, he's not good enough to, like, hold, like... Um, hold on his own. Like, 
Like he 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 can't he can't push a pair. Like he's not that type of player. But like I don't think he can hold his own by himself on a third pair with you know a guy. So that's why I find it's a pretty steep price. But I mean he's retained salary. I mean Washington's going for it. It looks like the two picks are probably be like late in the rounds anyway. So it's not that big of a deal, but. I think it does help out Washington and their depth on D a little bit and could help them with their playoff push. I mean, that's what they really need, though, right? They don't really need a star player. Yeah, like the, like Brian McClellan, what they talk about how they like they want to be able to both play fast but also want to play hard, right? Like In the playoffs, that way they can match up well with any team. And, you know, it does... You know, help them out on their left side. I think a little bit, and you well, know, I mean, like it, yeah, like he's gonna be the hard. He's not gonna be the fast. Yeah. So, and he, like you know, he he can still skate. He's not that bad of a skater that you know people are gonna like turn him around inside out. But I think it's gonna be interesting to kind of see um, more. Just like Washington, really, you know, are they're gonna try Brandon Dillon with Carlson? But I do see him, you know, moving down the lineup a little more. Uh, give it some time. We'll see. Yeah. All right. And I think it's also kind of the sign that, you know, San Jose is, you know, they've, Rebuilding? they've given up. Yeah. Good. Uh, yeah, we talked. I think we talked enough about them. I think it's time for them to rebuild. All right. Next one. All right. And this is like almost exact same deal. But um, St. Louis acquired Marco Scandella from Montreal for a 2022nd uh, and a 2021 conditional fourth. And once again, it's like Montreal shows that, hey, they're probably going to be uh, rebuilding or retooling. And uh, it's just an air defenseman at 15% retained. So in terms of why St. Louis did this, I think we all kind of know, right, Jeffrey? Yeah. Why? Well, I think just their left side, like, their left side is probably their weakness. Like, Bo Meester is on um, long-term injured reserve now. So, the left side is basically Dunn, Gunnarsson, and, well, now it's Scandella. But they really didn't, like, if you're looking at defensive court, like, that's not a strong left side. Like, granted, like, the right side of Pietrangelo, Pareko, and Falk, you know, Push, push each pair, but it's not the strongest left side. So I think Scandella, you know, gives them a little bit of experience, gives them a little bit more depth on the left side, and mm-hmm. I think it's a good pickup by St. Louis. I mean, they they're addressing a weakness on their team, and I think it's a it's a good move for them. For me, I think this is one of those just like eh, eh type of trades. You know what I mean? Ah, uh, like. It doesn't move like it, it. might not move the needle much either. I think too. Like it's just it's just a trade's a trade. But I think, um, right? Like the reaction to this trade isn't necessarily oh St. Louis got Scandella or Montreal, you know, is rebuilding. It's hey the Sabers fucked up, basically. So one of the things that you you did mention in your our notes here is that the condition is kind of unusual, right? Yeah, it's not, not one of those. So, like, if Scandella resigns by October 7th of next year, or, and the, the typical, you know, St. Louis wins two playoffs and he plays half the games, right? Like, now we're adding dates if they resign now. Like, before we didn't see that, now they're adding dates. Like, they're, like, teams are being very detailed now with their conditions. So, what are the odds that 
if the condition isn't met for the playoffs, Scandella resigns on October eighth. Um, I think Scandella will have enough offers that he doesn't have to wait. Like, I, unless he loves St. Louis enough, but I think he can probably he'll probably get more money elsewhere because St. Louis is going to be in that cap crunch a little bit with Pietrangelo. They still have to resign. Yeah. So I don't think Scandella is returning, but I think the playoff um condition is more likely to be met to be honest but yeah i think i think it's just it's a depth move it seems expensive but i think scandela ever since he's been in buffalo he hasn't looked like the guy that needed to be protected in the expansion draft in minnesota type of player i think he might he i think when he's with being back being back in the western conference being back in uh, being in st louis now i think we might see more the minnesota scandela than the uh the buffalo scandela what is the Minnesota Scandella? Um, probably like a like a defensive defenseman that can move the puck, can play the twenty minutes a night type of guy. Like, I don't think like when he was moved to Buffalo, it seemed like it was more like a salary dump move. Well, I mean, Pominville was a salary dump to Buffalo, and you know, Scandella was you know the defenseman that they could kind of use in uh, Buffalo, but he just never seemed to work out, and, you know, he's been passed by, like, Dalin, and like, it didn't work out in Buffalo. He he improved a little bit when he got to Montreal, but uh, I think we'll see more of the old Scandella. I mean, he's only 29, but, like, the more prime Scandella that he was in Minnesota. Okay. And with that being said, let's move on to the next one. Yeah. And... Here we go, another Kings deal. Um, the Kings sat out Alec Martinez and then traded him to Vegas for a twenty twenty second and a twenty twenty first second. Oh, you gotta protect your you gotta protect your assets. Come on. Yeah, no, it's a it's a smart move. I, I'm not denying that it's a smart move. All right, so I like it for the Kings. I I, I two assets for one. I think it's worth it. I mean, they weren't re-signing Alec Martinez. He just didn't fit in with their long-term plans. And you get two seconds for him. I mean, that's not bad. I mean, obviously it's nicer to be able to get a first, but put it this way. I think it gives us less of a chance to get one for it. At least we get one defensive prospect. We're looking for freaking defensive prospects. Yeah, like, and I think like they're both going to be probably late second-rounders too, so... Like I, it's just asset acquirement for the Kings right now, giving them a chance to get players. So, I think it's I think Alec Martinez. He's not yeah, like you're saying. He's not going to resign. I think he was a valuable asset on the market, given you know so many teams have already traded. With, like the defensive market has dried up. Yeah. So, I just I think it's an interesting move. Like I know he can play the right side, and I know you know it doesn't matter what. Hand, like left or right handed, you can play on either side. But I keep looking at Vegas. Like, can you please grab a right handed defenseman, please? I don't know. I think I, I like this deal. I, I genuinely like this deal for both teams. But this isn't actually the complete deal, is it, Jeffrey? No. Like, I mean, when I when, when I first saw the deal, I messaged you. I was like, "What is Vegas doing?" Like, it says they don't have cap space. They put Alex Tuck on um, LTR, which kind of freed it up. But I'm like, you can put a guy on LTR, but he has to come back eventually. And then you're not going to have the cap space. So how is that going to work? And 
they they kind of I, I don't know you could call it expanding the deal right it's not the full trade but basically they had to dump Cody Eakin and they traded him to your your Winnipeg Jets for a conditional fourth what's so, condition Jeffrey uh you okay there also yeah I just dropped I just knocked over something no worries nothing right, broken so the the 2021st conditional fourth is if uh, Winnipeg makes the playoffs or if Ikerin signs on J- July 5th, 2020. Again, the dates are amazing now. Like, adding in dates now when they have to resign by. So, if I'm Cody Eakin, why don't you, I don't think he's going to be resigned. He's not going to be in free agency going to be signing within the first five days. So, I mean, it's, it's none of one of those weird deals. I don't get it. I'm 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 okay with it to be honest with you. For the Winnipeg side, I mean it's a fourth round pick for a team that's just trying to contend. I can live with that. Yeah, and I think so, like, especially since like ever since they lost Brian Little at the beginning of the season, like they've tried Blake Wheeler and like I get Cody Eakins not like uh he has suited his suited roles like the third on checking center. And I think playing him up on the second line would be a stretch for him at this stage in his career. But I think he just improves your center depth a little bit. He like Vegas was in a tough spot, so either way they were going to get value for Cody Eakin. Um, so yeah, I think it's a great deal, and I think the big part of the deal for Vegas is not necessarily just you know oh they free up the cap space so now you know when Tuck comes back they're not going to be over the cap. But I think the big part is you know, Cody Glass is in the minors because of all these, you know, salary problems, right? With Vegas yeah. being so close to the cap. By moving Eakin, it frees back up that third-line center spot, so Cody Glass can be called up and, you know, play back in the NHL, which, you know, he's, he's had a quiet, quietly good rookie season, I find. And I think... Like, is it because of the market, Cody, though? The market that he's plays in? Cody Glass? Yeah. I, I think so. And also, I mean, like, I think the rookie debate has been more focused on, you know, Hughes versus McCarr. But I think, like, Cody Glass has played well in Vegas. I mean, as a first overall draft pick, you probably thought you would hear, like, more about him. But, you know, he's been quite, like, he's quietly having, you know, sheltered season, growing into the game. I think it's a good look. I think it's a good good for him, and I think with the Eakin trade, it opens back up that spot on the roster for him, and you know lets him you know get ready for the playoffs. Yeah, uh, I think that's perfect right there. I don't even know what to tell you. Yeah. All right, and our last deal. I think this would probably be the one that you would say is the most lopsided. My, I don't know if you consider. Yeah, it I would say this is this was the one where I was just like, yeah. What the yeah. hell? <laughs> so, Anaheim trades Andrea Kasha to the Bruins for David Beckis at 25% retained, Axel Anderson in a 2021st. How on earth did David Beckis get traded? I mean, I know 25% retained, but at this point, David Backus is unwilling to go on LTR, would like to continue his career, but medically speaking, it seems like he's, it's very, I won't say dangerous, but it's very uneasy for many teams. And 
25% retain. I don't know. Did I know you get it? Axel Anderson is a high-rated prospect, and I know a 2021st isn't going to be top five pick or whatever. But I don't know how they got rid of backs. How I don't know how to do it. I mean, like, I know Kasha is. He's the type of guy you need on a championship-winning team, though. You need a guy who is willing to play that depth role and has a depth contract. But I'm looking at this on Anaheim's behalf, and I don't know. Like, do you play Bacchus? Do you just tell him just sit at home and just pay him out? Are you rebuilding now? Like, I, I'm watching Anaheim kind of just drive towards Minnesota Wild Territory. And it, with that, it's kind of like the chain of the guard, where it's the Pacific is no longer going to be dominated by Southern California teams or California teams anymore. I don't know. For me, yeah. it's just like, I, I don't see the benefit for Anaheim unless you've decided that you're tanking. But even if you're tanking, there are, there are better ways to tank than that. I think that grabbing the 2021st and Axel Anderson is pretty good value. I thought that's what you would get for Andre Kasha. Well, you know, it's a bit steep for Andre Cash. That's probably like a second and Anderson, but having to take on Bacchus's contract. Like, the thing with Anaheim is secretly they have a lot of cap space that they're not actually using because they had they didn't put Kessler or Patrick Eves on LTIR. Yeah, so they but you also they have to be smart with it, though. That's the issue. Well, I think the reason why they didn't because they didn't know if they were going to make the cap floor this season because they had so many guys on rookie contracts. So that's my... I think that's the reason why they didn't put him put them both on LTIR. But I look at this. Like, Bacchus, he hasn't played because so that, so that he doesn't have to report to the minors. But I think he could be a guy the Ducks can call up because they have the cap space. If they wanted to, they can bring up Bacchus to play with the young guys. I think... To me, he kind of fits that mold of like the old Ryan Getzlaff, the old Corey Perry. You know, he is older, but I think he could be a good veteran presence for the Ducks. I do think the end goal for the Ducks is the rebuild, getting the first, replenishing their defensive prospects. But um, I just it it it's just seems like Boston got a steal in getting rid of Vakis's contract and still getting back a player of use. Okay, but. If you're Anaheim, do you play Bacchus? Uh, I would. I you think would? I think he provides at least some value. And like I think for the Ducks he can, you know, I don't know that rejuvenates his career or anything, but I think he could be a nice, you know, playing with like playing back to that old St. Louis style of, you know, the like a like a rougher, more grittier style. But can his body handle playing that rough, gritty style? Uh, I think that's that will be the the main question. I think yeah, can his body like stand up to it? But I think, especially if the Ducks are more active at the trade deadline this year, I think Bacchus will have be able to get playing time. I think, like because either way he has to get paid, right? And I think the Ducks will be like, well, yeah, why not? We will just like play him on the NHL squad because either way he's on an NHL contract, so we have to pay him no matter what if he's sitting at home or if he's playing like. I know they have guys like I don't know like Isaac Lundstrom. They have some guys they want to like 
give them minutes, but I think Bacchus in a bottom six role is perfectly fine. His contract is going to look bad, but I think either you buy him out at the end of the season or, you know what, you have you just put Ryan Kessler on LTIR and you have the space right there. All right. I can live with that. Like I don't know. I'm still not a fan of it. I guess how you explain it kind of helps a little bit, but... Uh, I don't it know. It does seem like the Bruins fleeced the Ducks. Oh, no, the Bruins fleeced... They didn't fleece the Ducks. I think they fleeced the entire NHL in a sense that they got rid of Bacchus's contract and still got something back for it. I, I guess. Right? Like... It's like like if we look at like say the Patrick Marlowe trade, which I think is a big comparison. I think a lot of people compare, right? I think it was Marlowe and a conditional first, which I mean it was basically a first for to the Carolina Hurricanes. I think it was for like a sixth, right? Mm-hmm. So basically, if we took that um, kind of deal at well, actually, sorry, it was Patrick Marlowe at six point two five. For a conditional first and a seventh for a twenty twenty six. So if we were to take the Bacchus's deal, Bacchus still had one more year left on his deal. You add the first and you add Axel Anderson instead of the seventh for instead of a six, you get Andre Kasha. So if you took that like that framework, it looks worse on the Ducks because they agreed to a deal when they probably could have gotten a lot more than. But yeah. that's kind of like, how do I put it? That's kind of like, you jump through a lot of hoops there to get to that. Yeah, so like, it's not perfect, but it, it, I think a lot of people are looking at it more as like, how come the Leafs, you know, had to give up a first and got back nothing of value, but, you know, Boston retained 25% and, you know, they actually got a, a middle six winger who, if he's healthy, can put up 20 goals. All right. So, we went through a bunch of these trades, Jeffrey. Yeah. Which one is the one you think will make the biggest impact for their team? Um, like, are we talking... So, like, we're talking about, like, not necessarily the prospects coming back, but... Yeah, right now, for the playoffs, which who plays the biggest role? I think it's the Marco Scandella deal. Really? I think, like, I, I want to, I think Zucker is a big name, and playing with Crosby, I think he has high value to Foley as well, replacing Besser, but in the playoffs, he is probably going to move down in the lineup, but Scandella is going to be depended on as their number one left-handed D in St. Louis under um, cup defense, and I think Scandella is going to like he's gonna reju not rejuvenate his career, but he's gonna look more like the guy that you know is worth the four million dollars that he's being paid, and not the guy who was uh in the press box half the time. So I think Scandella is gonna have the most effect on his team in- compared to everyone else. I don't know. How about you? Um, I think it might end up being the Blake Coleman deal. To be honest with you. Yeah. Like I think at the end of the day, you needed that kind of depthy winger that could still score a lot. That's your guy right there. And one of the issues that we've always had with Tampa was that they couldn't get secondary scoring. That's your guy to get that secondary score. I know the price was high for him, but for the playoffs. At the end of the day, if you win the cup, 
doesn't matter, right? Like the reason why LA Kings still get don't get a lot of flack for for being this cap hell and everything that they were in is because they won two cups, right? You can't say anything once you've won two cups. Yeah, right. It's like what Patrick Wa said, right? I can't hear any of these comments because I got two rings in my ears or whatever. Yeah, so I think at the end, I think that's the one where it has the biggest impact. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, we're still recording and we haven't had a deal yet today, which I on a Saturday. I know Unacceptable. Like, yeah, what are you guys doing, GMs? But um, hopefully we'll have this out. You know, it's the 48th episode. Hopefully we'll release it 48 hours before the trade deadline. You know, try to coincide with that. But um, we look at that, Jeffrey. I don't know. It, 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 it's a mighty, mighty risk, but we'll see what we can do today. And uh, hopefully Monday will be a be a fun day. Yeah, and I think before we start, before we end um, today's episode, I do actually really want to very quickly talk about Bobby Ryan. Mm-hmm. So Bobby Ryan is back from the is it the players assistance program is that what it's called? Uh, yep, that is. And you know, I don't know. Did he play the other day? I I I, I, I not, the thing is, I just wanted to just give him some kudos. You know, just meeting with the media and just you know talking about the demons that he's had to face. You know, and I think. There's a lot of stigma about about these things, especially when you know we look at athletes. We're just like, hey, they're supposed to be these superhumans, right? And they're not; they're people. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I know Bobby Ryan's had a very interesting, might not be the right word to use, but interesting upbringing. Um, so if you ever have a chance to read that, it's very interesting. But being able to talk through your the challenges you face, it's an inspiration for many people, and I think many players may not be the most comfortable in being in that vulnerable position. So big props to Bobby Ryan to really step up and do that. And that's that's exactly what a leader looks like. Even though you may not have the C or the A on your jersey, that's what a leader does. So good on you, Bobby Ryan. Yeah, and I mean, I hope he gets healthy again, you know gets back to where he feels comfortable as a human being, as a person. And I mean, if NHL is still the way he wants to go, I hope he, you know, continues to do that as well. All right, Jeffrey, any last words? Um, I think, I think I'm good. We'll hopefully we'll have a good fun trade deadline. Maybe next week. Um, we'll recap if there's any deals over the next couple of days before the trade deadline, we'll recap those ones. But I don't know. I just want to say um, it's a happy first anniversary for um, the Bag of Pucks podcast. Aww, Jeffrey. Uh, Twitter reminded us that today was it yesterday was our uh, Twitter anniversary or whatever. But, you know, our Bag of Pucks podcast is now one years old. We'll see if we'll make it to two. Uh, yeah, and we'll go from there. Jeffrey, oh my gosh, you're going to make me cry. I didn't get an anniversary present. I'm still waiting on mine, uh, Austin. I am an anniversary present. My presence is a present. <laughs> well, I, I don't see you in Kingston, so... Uh... My online presence is a present. <laughs> I... Jeffrey's speechless. That's the first time I've ever heard him do that. I don't know what to say to that, 
but um, I we hope that you could, um, our listeners continue to support us and listening to our podcast. You know, follow us on Twitter. Uh, is it follow us on Spotify? Is that what you call yeah, it? Yeah, follow us on Spotify. Okay, yeah, follow us on wherever you're listening to this uh, podcast. You know, and we've really enjoyed this last year. Um, technically, it's still season one, right, Austin? Because uh, season, season zero. zero bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll fix that. But you know. 48 hours before the trade deadline. And we'll see if anything else happens. All right. Love y'all. Thanks for listening to the Bag Fucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. You want to complain about us? You can tweet us at BOP underscore POD on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.